Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show, right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. This is the program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions and make your dreams come true. And we're in our 22nd year here on Voice America and very happy to be with you. Um, Today we are talking about cardiology. We're talking about non-invasive cardiology. And we're talking to Dr. Christopher Abadi, who is the medical director of Echocardiography Services at South Coast Health in Massachusetts. He is an invasive, non-invasive cardiologist and the medical director of the echocardiography labs for South Coast Health. He's also a member of the South Coast Heart Valve Team Structural Heart Program and a clinical assistant professor of medicine at the Alpert Medical School of Brown University. And today we're talking about um, heart disease, we're talking about um, cardiography, and we're also talking about... Um, things that happen in terms of our heart, in terms of disease, we'll talk a little bit about prevention, and we'll talk about what are some of these new advances that are happening in in, uh, taking care of heart issues and heart disease. So welcome, Dr. Abadi. Thank you very much, Patricia. All right. What are some steps that your group is taking to promote heart health and to prevent heart disease? I mean, first, let's look at that. Well, you know, as a group, I think South Coast um, does a a fantastic job um, sort of communicating with the patients that are are part of our system about the importance of uh, doing their primary care physicals. Um, There's a lot that they use, uh, do with social media, rather, um, sort of promoting um, health in general, including heart health. Um, They sponsor a a good deal of sort of health and wellness events in the community as well. So as a system, I think, um, you know, there is really a strong focus on on promoting health in the community and prevention in the community. Um, You know, as an individual practitioner, you know, we, we, uh, I'm a sort of a general cardiologist and uh, see patients on a regular basis um, who are coming to me really for you know, risk factor assessment. They don't necessarily have heart disease, um, mm-hmm. but there may be some history or, um, you know, risk factors for heart disease. Um, and so mm-hmm. on an individual level, we have, you know, conversations on a daily basis as practitioners um, with patients about what they can do um, to live a healthy lifestyle and um, be in more of a preventative mode. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you proactive about prevention as opposed to reactive to a disease process that's already in place. Right. How do you, how does echocardiography fit into this? Does that fit into the preventive piece or is that more after a person has a heart issue? Yeah. So echocardiography is is a cardiac ultrasound and it's a, it's a, it's a very common test that is performed to assess for varying types of, of heart conditions. Um, I wouldn't necessarily put it in the preventative category per se. Um, reasons why one might 
be referred for an echocardiography might be um, related to some family history of some potential inherited heart condition, um, an abnormality on physical examination, a heart murmur is a common um, finding on a physical examination that might lead one to do an echocardiogram. Um, a heart murmur is a, a turbulent sound of flow through a heart valve in, in general. Um, that, that's the reason why one would have a heart murmur. Um, and an echocardiogram is a way to assess uh, the heart valve. Um, we also, with, with echocardiography, see the heart muscle, we see the pump function of the heart, um, we see the aorta. So we get a lot of information with an echocardiogram, but there's usually something that would trigger ordering an echocardiogram. Either a, a primary care provider might order an echocardiogram or a cardiologist might order an echocardiogram. And, and the echocardiogram, is it something that's moving? Do you see it as a moving object or is it a still picture, like a still Yeah, X-ray? no, it, it's an ultrasound, it's, so you're seeing the heartbeat. Okay. Um, it's, yeah, so you're, it's, um, uh, you see the, the heart beating as, as you're doing the, doing the study. Um, mm-hmm. So you're seeing the valves in, in sort of live action. You're seeing the pump function in live action. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a number of measurements we do as part of that, and there are sort of normal standard values that we kind of refer to when we do an assessment of an echocardiogram. Hmm. So it's a very helpful tool. I mean, it can probably really help you prevent um, problems, right? Help. It helps you kind of see things in the beginning before they before they explode or exacerbate. Yeah, it, it really helps in the assessment. And you know, oftentimes we'll do an echocardiogram either because of a symptom or an exam finding or an EKG finding. Uh, and an EKG is an electrocardiogram. That's the electrical tracing of the, um, the act, uh, electrical activity in the heart. Um, and, you know, oftentimes we'll do an echocardiogram uh, because of a finding, you know, again, on exam, um, uh, a symptom, uh, or a finding on elect- an electrocardiogram. Um, oftentimes the echocardiogram is completely normal. So you, you know that the patient's heart structure is normal, their function is normal, their valves are normal. Um, but oftentimes we do find something. We do find a valve issue. Um, sometimes we'll find an abnormality as it relates to the heart muscle in terms of thickness or the pump function. Um, we'll find a congenital valve problem, something that may have been inherited. We'll find aortic aneurysms on an echocardiogram. So, you mm-hmm. know, catching those things early obviously is, is important and then allows a sort of a proper treatment and follow-up plan to be in place. So it, it is a very, you know, common cardiac test that we do and a very useful tool in the assessment of a, a patient. Now, if you find something, you know, if you find an abnormality or something with a valve, I suppose for different people, but um, how do you talk to the family about it and how serious is it? I mean, is it often something that's small or do you find, or it, does it just vary? I, I guess the yeah, real question is how hard it is when you have to do surgery, what are the risks? I think that's what I'm looking at is when you find something, how serious is it? But I guess it depends. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all over the map. Um, you know, I have conversations on a daily basis with, with patients and, and family members um, where we might have a, a mild valve finding where it's, yes, this is 
you know, something that we need to follow and it could get worse over time, but it, it's at a mild level. I had that exact conversation with a patient today um, uh, with a valve finding that is likely going to progress, but typically it progresses slowly over time. And as long as we're paying close attention to the physical exam, patients paying close attention to their symptoms, and we do periodic echocardiograms along the way, um, we, we will follow it appropriately and kind of know if it's hitting a point where we need to consider an intervention. Um, other times, the, the first echo we do, and I just had this happen with a patient of mine, um, it's, uh, they were referred to me for a heart murmur, and they have a severe um, restriction of one of their heart valves, and they had never had an echocardiogram before, and this was the first time someone detected the murmur. So that's mm-hmm. a, uh, and, and I think the valve is causing them some symptoms. So that, that's a conversation that's obviously a little bit um, harder to have. Um, you know, you have to kind of go through the, um, what the finding is and, and kind of lay out what, what you think the best course of action is going to be. Um, you know, oftentimes if it's a severe valve issue, uh, we're ending talking about valve replacement. And um, so, which is obviously nothing to jump into lightly, but, um, you know, certainly there are, are findings and, and things we look at where we'll know that, you know, that's really the next necessary next step before something really bad does happen. I, right. Well, I want to I go back to the first case that you had where it was mild and you're watching the person. So when you're watching mm-hmm. that patient, are, you, are there certain things they should do? Should they exercise more? Should they eat certain things? I mean, is there a special protocol to help? Yeah, um, it, it varies because there are different, you know, as it relates to heart valves, there are different findings where we might give different recommendations. Um, so it, 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 it's, um, with, I, I could get into specific valve lesions, but I'm not, I'm not sure that that would be. No, I think it's be the format to do that. Yeah, I think like for but, the, for the- you know, the average person listening, if there's a problem, but it's not severe, you know, what can they do to help themselves while you're monitoring this? I think that's the question. Yeah, and it, I'll put it more more sort of global and not necessarily related to a valve issue. You know, one of the one of the things we, we deal with a lot in cardiology is is um, atherosclerotic plaque building up in, in arteries, and they can build up in arteries um, in every part of the body, it's usually a diffuse process, and the heart arteries are are small in diameter, um, so it does not take um, much plaque to actually result in a narrowing in a coronary artery. Um, the coronary arteries we don't see on an echocardiogram, um, but a lot of what we do more in the preventative mode is is really trying to prevent atherosclerosis. We're trying to prevent heart attack. We're trying to prevent stroke. Uh, that, that's where, you know, really talking about sort of lifestyle, um, looking at what a patient is eating for a diet, um, looking at what they're doing in terms of exercise, looking at their blood pressure, looking at their cholesterol, uh, and really sort of scrutinizing the risk factors and then trying to optimize. Um, you know, as it relates to the diet, um, sort of the recommended diet that um, comes really from the American Heart Association and American College of Cardiology, and there's data supporting this diet in terms of helping to prevent uh, atherosclerosis and and cardiac events is the Mediterranean diet. 
Um, and that's a diet that I, I think a lot of people are familiar with, but it's kind of rich in uh, fruits and vegetables and whole grains. Um, uh, fish, seafood is a big part of that. Um, olive oil, avoiding mm-hmm. processed foods, avoiding foods with added sugars. Um, a, a low-sodium diet is important in terms of uh, preventing hypertension or helping to manage hypertension. And that really would be good for anybody. I mean, this is a, this is something we can all follow, right? Not uh, uh, just, correct. All right. All right yeah. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about preventing heart disease, what happens if you find that there is an issue with your heart or there is a valve and you need a replacement. We're going to talk more to Dr. Christopher Abadi right after the break, who is the medical director of echocardiography services at South Coast Health in Massachusetts. He's a non-invasive cardiologist. And uh, he uh, is also a clinical assistant professor of medicine at the Alpert Medical School of Brown University. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's time to get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson, the Midlife Whisperer. Your midlife roadmap is the blueprint you need to roll with change, transform yourself, and create a fabulous second adulthood. Get answers and solutions for whatever you're up against and transform problems into opportunities. Make your next life chapter your best chapter with Rock Your Midlife every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. My guest today is Dr. Christopher Abadi. He is the invasive, non-invasive cardiologist and medical director of the echocardiography lab 
for South Coast Health in southeastern Massachusetts and part of Rhode Island. He is also a member of the South Coast Heart Valve Team Structural Heart Program and a clinical assistant professor of medicine at the Albert Medical School of Brown University. Okay. And he has a special interest in heart disease and aortic disease and, um, and also in echocardiography. All right. Um, welcome back, Dr. Body. Thank you. All right. So let's talk. I'd like to, we certainly are going to have time to talk about um, more about cardiac surgical procedures, but I want to stay on this trend for a minute of prevention. You know, at every age comes different risks. You know, when we're kids, we have different risks. When we're teenagers, we think we can conquer the world. So we have different different things that we do. And mid-age, and then we reach older age. And so I guess my question to you is, in terms of heart health, are there things we should be looking at, you know, in our younger years, our older years, in terms of prevention that may be a little different? I think sometimes we think when we're younger, we can just do anything we want because it's not going to matter because we're going to live forever. <laughs> you know? So I guess that's the question of what should we be aware of at different stages in our life to really take care of our heart? Yeah, I, I think it starts at a young age. I mean, you know, I, I, I see it, a, adults, I'll see from 18 years old and up, but, um, you know, the, the time to prevent heart disease or atherosclerosis or plaque building up in arteries is 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 not you know when you turn 40 or when you turn 50 the time to prevent it is is starting at a young age and particularly mm. if um one has risk factors um you know i i saw a patient today whose father had his first heart attack in his late 30s um so um we do see significant heart disease at a young age and and so for the child of somebody like that that's that's something for them to be aware of and it's it's even more important um, if there's a genetic predisposition for developing vascular or heart disease to start at a young age, and it's it's really the the, the trends in lifestyle, um, you know, looking at, at at diet, and I think I mentioned already sort of medi- the uh, Mediterranean diet and and a little bit of what that consists of, but you know, avoiding saturated and, and trans fats at a young age, um, you know, ha- having um, a diet more rich in the grains, fruits and ve- vegetables, fish, um, chicken, what the white meats without without skin, um, not heavy on refined sugars and added sugars and carbohydrates. Um, and then so physical I, activity. I, I, just um, question for you, Dr. Body. I just want to ask you, why is sugar not good for the heart and the white and refined carbs. Essentially it it gets broken down and then you can have high circulating levels of sugar in your, your bloodstream. And then it can be converted into um, cholesterol and triglycerides. That's part of the, how, how particularly the added sugars and the refined sugars are, are handled by the body. So they can lead to higher levels of um, cholesterol and higher levels of blood sugar, which can certainly cause and contribute to diabetes, um, which is a, another major risk factor for developing atherosclerosis or heart disease. What about honey or maple syrup or um, stevia or some of these uh, sugar alternatives? Yeah, um, they're, they're not ideal <laughs> either um, in, um, in terms of and again, on an occasion, yes, but having it a, a regular part of your diet is is not um, something I would generally recommend. Um, 
you know, certainly the, the in like maple syrup, like pure maple syrup and, and um, honey is, is healthier to some of the other yes. refined sugar by yeah. the way. But, but um, what about fruit and sugar and fruit? I mean, oranges have high content of sugar, orange juice. I mean, fruit is wonderful, but it also, you know, has high sugar. What about fruit? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it, 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 it's a natural sh- sugar, and it, it does get sort of uh, handled differently by the body um, in in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, depending on a, a patient's condition, we might look at that a little more carefully um, in terms of the volume that they're eating. But what we're talking about really is is trends starting at a younger age and, and trying trying to sort of prevent and substituting sort of, um, you know, natural um, sugars that come with with the different fruits we might eat. Um, A lot of the the different fruits are high in antioxidants as well. Um, It's it's certainly better than um, some of the added sugars and um, uh, sort of fine sugars, pure sugar that uh, is is unfortunately can be a big part of a a child or a a teen's diet. so I, yeah. you know what I what I tell my patients is is it's really hard to be perfect with your diet. Um, there's going to be times where you end up um, indulging a little bit. There's going to be times when you cheat, but it's it's really looking at at what your general trend, what your general pattern yes. is. Yeah. And I, I think for you know a lot of it, and it's and it starts at a young age. It's it's very easy, you know, as a teen or younger adult to get into a pattern of sort of eating poorly. Um, but that, that's really where it, where it should start in terms of sort of preventing atherosclerosis yep. to get into your 40s and 50s and, and beyond. Um, yep. And the other part of it is activity, is, is physical activity, yes. is yes, getting, regular, exercise. Getting, yeah. getting regular exercise. Um, you know, it's, I think the combination of poor diet and lack of exercise is, you know, obviously a major contributing factor to um, the, the, the obesity that, that we end up seeing in, in, in a younger patient population. And, um, you know, the American Heart Association, sort of their guidelines are 150 minutes of moderate physical activity um, per week. Um, so you're, you're talking about if you're doing something on a daily basis around, you know, 25 minutes mm-hmm. a day of of, of something where you're getting your heart rate up and sustaining it up. Um, and, you know, there are different ways to do that. When I have conversation with patients about physical activity and exercise, um, I'm not wedded to one form of exercise. It's, it's, you know, I think for a lot of patients, it's a matter of finding what they enjoy and what they will do. Um, you know, some, some people hate the treadmill. Um, they, they, they don't, they don't. Um, they have knee issues. They 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 don't like being on the treadmill, whatnot. So we talk about okay, what about an exercise bike or a rowing machine or an elliptical machine? Um, but for a lot of patients, it's it's just a matter of going for a good brisk walk where you're sustaining a good pace and getting your heart rate up, um, and just and maintaining that for 25 to 30 minutes and. Um, you know, a, a lot of my patients that that's their main form of exercise and, and it's a great form of exercise, but, um, you know, incorporating, you know, regular physical activity as, as part of sort of healthy lifestyle is, is extremely important. 
Right. And, and, and you're saying, you know, starting young. Now, when, if you're an older adult, you know, you're over 55 years or 60. You know, sometimes people think, well, you know, I'm older now. I, I'm already, I, it, there's nothing I can do. It's really never too late to start, correct? No. No, it's never too late to start. And I, I think, uh, and I do hear, I do hear that from patients. And it, to me, it, it, it's a little bit of a, I, I think, a cop out of, of, you know, then taking ownership of, of your health. So, um, no, it, it's, it's not too late to start. Um, you know, I, I have a patient that I saw today who's 80 years old and he made modifications in his, diet and and started exercising more and he has dropped 20 much a much needed drop in his weight uh 20 pounds since his visit with me six months ago he looks fantastic he feels better his blood pressure is better um and i'm I'm sure his his cholesterol and diabetic markers that we're going to be checking are going to be better because of the the lifestyle changes that he's made so it really, it as you said, um, you know, it, it it's about taking the responsibility, right, for your own health too, and um, and yeah. finding alternatives. I mean, there's so many alternatives today in terms of what you can eat. I mean, if you don't love to go on the treadmill, you can walk outside. I mean, there's there's so many alternatives of things to do that can keep you healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there there's there's plenty of plenty of you know ways to sort of get the the necessary exercise and activity that we all need. You know, one of the things I do run into a decent amount um, is some orthopedic issues. You know, a lot of patients end up, particularly as they get older, with back issues or knee issues or hip issues. And, and that can be a challenging thing to navigate because I, I do, unfortunately, have some patients that just can't because of their orthopedic issues. And they're working with orthopedists and they're doing the best they can to try to, you know, get them healthier in that regard. But um, it, it, it does become a, a bit, a bit of a, a challenge at times in, in certain patients. And I'm sure yeah. for some of the people listening to this podcast, they're, they're going to appreciate that. Yeah. They're, they have yeah. their, their own issues that sort of limit their ability to exercise the way that they want to. Right. But they can still do something. Right. So that absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Yes, you can always do something right. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Dr. Abadi about, you know, the cardiovascular services at South Coast Health uh, that they provide for the region, like valvular heart disease, aortic disease, atrial fibrillation. We're going to get more into the services that when you need um, cardiovascular help or you need a valve replacement, we'll talk more about that in, in, uh, in this next part of the interview. Um, Dr. Christopher Abadi is an invasive, non-invasive cardiologist and medical director of the Echocardiography Lab for South Coast Health, which is in southeastern Massachusetts and in Rhode Island as well. He's also a member of the South Coast Heart Valve Team and Structural Heart Program, and he's the Clinical Assistant Professor of Medicine at the Albert Medical School of Brown University. So stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back with Dr. Christopher Abadi right here on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show on voiceamerica.com. Stay tuned. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Do you ever have an off day? 
Or is your life positive and uplifting? Making Life Brighter is a forum for positive, inspired, and contemplative thought, showcasing experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Your host, Winifred Adams, will bring to life topics to stimulate and make your life brighter. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Glow and Tell is the new provocative podcast from beauty expert, spa owner, and product junkie, Carolyn Holdsworth. The Southern-raised entrepreneur will share her unvarnished opinions on self-care and all things that are meant to glow, inside and out. Carolyn will be joined by guest experts who will go deep, and listeners will discover and discuss plenty about what they see and feel in the mirror each day. Questions and answers will wrap each podcast with no topics out of bounds. Don't miss Glow and Tell with Carolyn Holtzworth, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Did you know that millions of people around the world do not have children? And yet the personal and professional experiences of people without children remain largely unacknowledged across cultures and within our personal networks. Public and workplace policies, media narratives, and educational content often reflect an unconscious bias, rendering our experiences invisible. New Legacy Radio engages these missing conversations with the voices of our community and allies and through committed action for meaningful change. New Legacy Radio, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Um, Today, we're talking about cardiology, talking about prevention. We're talking about heart disease. We're talking about procedures. My guest is Dr. Christopher Abadi. He's an invasive, non-invasive cardiologist and is the medical director of the Echocardiography Lab for South Coast Health system, which is in southeastern Massachusetts, and it's also in Rhode Island. He's also a member of the South Coast Heart Valve Team, Structural Heart Program, and a clinical assistant professor of medicine at the Alpert Medical School of Brown University. So welcome back, Dr. Abadi. Okay. All right. Let's talk about, um, you know, when you do have heart disease and some of the things that you do at South Coast that you provide for the region, like valvular heart disease and aortic disease and atrial fibrillation, and maybe some of the most common ones that you see. Yeah. So, you know, very, uh, I'll just touch on a few common conditions that a cardiologist like myself might end up seeing. Um, and as a system that we, we deal with on a very regular basis, one of, one of them is coronary artery disease, as I, I mentioned earlier, which is plaque buildup in the coronary arteries, which can contribute to heart attack and contribute to sort of chest symptoms, um, damage to the heart, things like that. Um, Another common condition that I see, and it's probably half of what I, I deal with on a daily basis, is an abnormal heart rhythm called atrial fibrillation, where the top chamber of the heart, instead 
instead of um, contracting in a nice systematic manner and feeding the bottom chamber of the heart, um, starts to quiver um, due to these abnormal electrical impulses, and it can bombard the bottom chamber of the heart with stimuli telling it to be. Um, that rhythm can, can cause symptoms. It can increase risk of stroke. Um, and there's a lot of management considerations that go along with that condition. Um, and then valvular heart disease is a very common condition. Um, uh, two of the more common ones that, that I will deal with on a regular basis is a condition. One condition is uh, called aortic valve stenosis, which is a restriction of the main heart valve that your heart uh, ejects blood through. Um, and then another common valve lesion um, that I'll deal with is mitral regurgitation, where the mitral valve, when it um, closes, um, there will be a leak back through the mitral valve. So blood will uh, leak back into the uh, left atrium, the chamber from which it came. Um, and in both of those conditions, they can have uh, cause symptoms and have negative effects um, on on uh, the heart and and therefore the patient. So those are some of the more common conditions that I'll end up seeing on a on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about um, you know what what you will then the procedure kind of the procedure for one of the more common ones that you see. You know what happens and and the recovery time and and the surgery time. So talk about that. You know, if somebody has to have a procedure, what they can expect. Yeah. So, there, you know, depending on the condition, there's obviously different procedures. Um, you know, it's really amazing where, where the, the field has gone and, and, and what, what as, as a field, we're able to do. Um, I don't do any of the invasive valve replacement procedures or stents or anything like that. I do um, ultrasound imaging that will support a lot of the different procedures, but um, there are you know, highly trained specialists that actually perform the procedures. Um, and, and South Coast as a system has a fantastic team of, of specialists who kind of focus on, on different areas. And, and we end up doing a high volume of, of uh, the various different procedures. Um, as mm-hmm. it relates to blockage in coronary arteries, a common procedure that will be done is, is a heart catheterization or coronary angiogram, which is, is basically... Um, a catheter-based dye test um, of the heart to look at the blood flow. And if you find a blockage when, when you have the catheter up and inject dye, um, you, you can treat it with a what's called a balloon angioplasty and then deploying a stent, um, uh, which is a metal mesh tube that will be um, implanted into the artery to bridge the artery open. Um, and most of the time, um, we'll, when we do find a blockage in the heart, we are able to address the issue with, with the catheter-based approach. Um, the catheter comes up through the artery, either the femoral artery in the crease of the leg or the radial artery in the wrist um, to, to perform the procedure. Um, we sometimes do find, though, that the only way to deal with the blockage is, is, is bypass surgery, and that's handled by the cardiothoracic surgical mm-hmm. team. Um, at South Coast Health, that's led by Dr. Giorgianis. Um, he has a, a fantastic team in place, and they do, you know, a high volume of coronary bypass surgery. So, um, so that's, that's how we, we, you know, kind of if we have to go to a procedure, um, 
that's what we end up dealing with with coronary artery disease. So um, you do the that, those types of procedures. So go. Let's explain again what you do specifically. You do more the the imaging, the ultrasound. Yeah, yeah, and I'll 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 um I'll kind of get to that as we we talk a little bit about um, the valve disease. I I do want to just touch first on atrial fibrillation because sure. that is a very common condition and and you know. A, any general cardiologist is going to see a high volume of patients with atrial fibrillation. And, um, you know, when you manage AFib, you need a strategy as it relates to the rhythm itself, and then you also need a strong prevention. Can you explain that exactly what that means? That means your heart rhythm is off. It's not steady. Yeah, exactly. It's when the top chamber of the heart is, is sort of quivering instead of contracting, and, and the cardiac output is lower because of that. Um, patients oftentimes have symptoms either of feeling the irregular heartbeat or feeling more short of breath with activity or feeling um, a, a lot of fatigue. Um, and so we, we usually, when we discover atrial fibrillation in a patient, we try to correct AFib. Um, and there are options with medications to try to prevent atrial fibrillation. And there, then there are procedures that are done by um, specialists uh, known as electrophysiologists, where they do a They'll bring catheters up into the heart, and, and they'll do what's called an ablation, where they try to create roadblocks to prevent these abnormal electrical impulses from being able to kind of take over the heartbeat and cause atrial fibrillation. Um, in, in, at South Coast, we have a great team in place of electrophysiologists who do a high volume of these procedures with Good success rates. Um, Dr. Davuti uh, leads that division, and our success rates match up with anybody's. I, I, I say that a little tempered because, unfortunately, AFib can be a really pesky rhythm. So it's um, you know su success rates in terms of the ablation procedure, you know, run around 70, 75 percent um, um, because uh, you know, unfortunately. The rhythm is, it can come back. There can be other focuses that need to be targeted, and, and it can be a challenging rhythm to, to manage. Um, so in terms of um, valvular heart disease, which is really probably, I guess, my passion um, as being an echocardiographer, you know, a, a lot of what we're looking at is valvular disease on echo. And and I had mentioned the uh, uh, two common ones, aortic valve stenosis and mitral regurgitation. Um, and a lot of what we do as part of the evaluation or, or treatment of those valvular lesions relate to what I do with echocardiography. Um, um, most of the echoes we do involve a probe being on the chest with images through the chest, but there's another procedure that I, I do a, a good volume of called transesophageal echo, where we actually have the uh, patient with light sedation. Um, they're asleep, um, and we have a, a tube that has ultrasound on the end that we can pass into the food pipe, and we look at the heart through the food pipe, um, the yep. esophagus. The, uh, the esophagus sits right behind the, the heart, and so we're able to get clear images um, of the valves and, and make better assessments um, using that technique. Um, that's, is and, that and, uh, new? That, is that brand new? I'm sorry. Is that brand new, that technique, or fairly new? No, it's been around for a long time. It, it's come a long way, though. Um, the, the technology has, has um, is, you know, when I trained, it was sort of rudimentary 
um, in terms of, you know, we could get very basic images, but now we're able to get very high-quality images, three-dimensional mm-hmm. images, and, and wow. really get a more assessment. Um, and that, that procedure is used to help guide some of the catheter-based either valve replacements or valve repair options that we have. Um, as you mentioned, I'm a member of the structural heart team at Charlton Hospital um, and uh, through South Coast, and that's, um, that's led by Dr. Saltzman, um, who is trained in these more advanced catheter-based um, techniques to try to either re- replace a heart valve or repair a heart valve. So, you know, we're doing things now that I never thought in my training we would be doing. We're replacing aortic valves on a regular basis uh, through catheters without open-heart surgery. Um, we're repairing mitral valves on a regular basis through mm-hmm. catheters without open-heart surgery. Um, and, and a number of those procedures are, are, are um, we do the transesophageal echo to help guide the procedure, um, mm. and that that's my of, of specialty. Yeah, that's your specialty. Well, that's remarkable, and I think in our next segment, I'm going to ask you about what you see for the future, and also um, we'll talk about other services as well. So um, I'm going to take a quick break. My guest today is Dr. Christopher Abadi, and he is an invasive and non-invasive cardiologist and the medical director of the Echocardiography Lab for South Coast Health System, which is in southeastern Massachusetts and also in Rhode Island. He's also a member of the South Coast Heart Valve Team and Structural Heart Program, and he's an assistant clinical professor of medicine at the Albert Medical School at Brown University. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, and we'll be right back to talk about the future of our healthy hearts. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more. We'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. As humans, we suffer when we believe we are not good enough. We are taught we must be better, look better, try harder, and achieve more. We cope with the stress and disappointment of life in ways that make us feel worse and keep us stuck in a cycle of unworthiness. We don't have to live this way. You don't have to live this way. Kirsten and her guests will share how self-acceptance and unconditional self-love can help you break this cycle and find freedom. Listen to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans, with Kirsten Johansson, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Planning for college? 
Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. My guest is Dr. Christopher Abadi, MD. He is an invasive, non-invasive cardiologist and the medical director of the Echocardiography Lab at South Coast Health System, which is in southeastern Massachusetts and Rhode Island. He is also a member of the South Coast Heart Valve Team, Structural Heart Team Program, and he's a clinical assistant professor of medicine at the Albert Medical School of Brown University. Welcome back, Dr. Abadi. All right. Thank you. So, yes. So in this last segment, let's talk about the future. I mean, you were talking about how some of these procedures, you know, you can now see 3D images where before it was very rudimentary. What do you see coming down the pike in the next five years, 10 years, 20 years? It sounds like it's going to be more non-invasive, and um, but what do you see that's exciting? Yeah, I, I think there's you know more coming as it relates to some of the different treatment op- options. Um, you know, some of the the, the different valve um, techniques that I mentioned in terms of either valve replacement or valve repair. Um, that that is that that's a, a, a field that's going to continue to grow. Um, as there's new valves coming out that will allow catheter-based valve replacement uh, for different valves as opposed to just the aortic valve. Um, some of the techniques we have for um, doing a repair on the mitral valve, for example, are the technology is getting better. The devices that, that we have, uh, there's, uh, you know, ongoing research on uh, trials going on as we speak, looking at some of these these newer devices to try to um, repair valves that a with with greater ease, um, easier for the patient, and at higher success rates. Um, uh, one of the other heart valves is the tricuspid valve, and that's an area that's been very challenging. If there's a a problem with that valve, to be able to tackle, um, and there's new technology and new techniques coming coming along to to try to address some of the issues we see um, with with managing tricuspid valve disease. So um, as it relates to coronary arteries uh, in terms of dealing with blockages, there's, you know, constant research going on to try to um, improve stents, improve some of the, the, the different delivery equipment, deal, deal with more chronic blockages. So I think we're just going to see a, a continued growth in the different um, tools we have in our toolbox to be able to deal with some of these complex lesions that that we 
run into on a regular basis in practice. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, you know, in the future, I mean, we hear a lot about um, just replacing, you know, replacing stem cells and, and people are going to live longer and then we'll actually be able to go in and, and change DNA and change cells so that we can um, arrest disease. Do you see that coming down in the future? Yeah, I, I know there's a lot of research on that, and I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on that. Um, I think there's a lot that would need to be done, and and it would take, you know, years before we actually start seeing anything really, at, at least in, in, in my field, um, that that is sort of a, a, a big change in, in, in terms of, you know, progression of disease. Um, but I... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'll be curious to see where, where that ends up going. Um, yeah. right now I'm, I'm not, I'm not seeing a whole lot that, that is relevant to my, to my practice. So before we close, let's talk about more about what you think people can do, you know, to help themselves. I mean, we talked about some prevention, but what are some things that, you know, you're seeing in your practice that you'd like to let listeners know about? Yeah, I, I think um, the, the one of the biggest things is is remaining active. Um, you know, we, we talked a lot about the diet um, end of things already, and that's obviously very important. But um, it's just being active. I, I, I can I see it on a, a regular basis where patients allow themselves to become sedentary, and then um, yes. once they do, much harder to get back into it. And particularly, uh, you know, being here in the Northeast, as we go into the the winter months where it becomes a little harder to kind of maybe get out and do that walk. Um, that doesn't mean you just stop doing anything physically active through the winter months. You know, you explore other avenues, whether it's uh, home equipment or a health club or whatnot to, to, to remain active. Um, I, I, I think in terms of, you know, it's easy for me to prescribe medication and, and, and react to sort of disease processes, but it, it, I see it on a daily basis where I'm trying to impress upon my patients that they, they really have to now focus on the, the lifestyle end of things um, with activity and exercise being a major part of that. Mm-hmm. And also diet, correct? The way that you eat. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And as, as we, as we talked about, um, um, you know, the dietary aspect of it is, is key as well. Um, you know, limiting, um, some of the things we already talked about, um, carbohydrates, um, trans fats, um, you know, and, and I, I am pretty much with every patient trying to add um, information about sort of the Mediterranean diet or encouraging them to, there's plenty of literature out there on it. There are cookbooks. Um, there's, there's a lot of resources available that, that patients can look at to, to to incorporate those principles of that diet and, and really make some good changes. Um, okay. We didn't really talk about alcohol at all. And, you know, alcohol is um, can contribute to, to different um, types of issues as it relates to the heart. And, you know, limiting alcohol intake is, is obviously an important part. Um, not smoking is obviously very, very important. Um, yeah. uh, nicotine. Tobacco use is uh, on top of heart disease, risk of cancer. Um, fortunately, that is the, something I'm, I'm running into less and less with my patients. Um, 
you know, I, I think once they've kind of gotten to me, um, again, I still see a number of patients who are still smoking and we're working hard to get them to quit. Um, but uh, I, I think once a patient does have a heart issue, usually that is a pretty pretty good wake up for them that they need to, you know, quit smoking. Um, and, you know, those, those you know, diet, uh, cessation yeah. tobacco, limiting yeah. alcohol, regular yeah. exercise, um, those, those are, I think, you know, the mainstays of, of healthy heart and healthy living. And thank you so much. And I know if people want to seek care, um, you have the Heart and Vascular Center at Charlton Memorial Hospital. That's in Fall River, Massachusetts, um, as well as South Coast Health, correct? So um, yeah. the, the Heart correct. and Vascular Center is at the Charlton Memorial in Fall River. And people can go on to the website, correct, which is southcoast.org? Yes, correct. And we have, we have multiple um, office locations throughout Rhode Island and southeastern Massachusetts and um, for those listening who are in different regions or different parts of the country, um, you, know, I, you know, seek out the resources in your area. Um, if if you're, you need an evaluation either for a symptom or, or want to get ahead of things, which I would encourage you to do and, and get in with a provider and be proactive about your health. Thank you. Thank you. And they can also contact um, South Coast Health and they can look you up as well, Dr. Christopher Abadi, ABD. A-B-A-D-I. Dr. Abadi, it was really great. Thank you so much for being on the program. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you. Stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Program. If you want to find me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. And you can find me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. If you're looking to do your own podcast and really share what you want with the public, um, I certainly can help you there. And again, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. And you can get a copy of my newsletter as well. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.